0: Welcome to Get Your Shift Together, hosted by Michelle Ferrari. As an executive and leadership coach, Michelle's mission is to support you on your leadership journey, whether you lead a team of 5,000 or are seeking to improve your own self-leadership. Michelle's approach is to guide you in understanding the impact of your choices and actions and help you shift those choices and actions to align with your goals. Michelle's humor and expertise will leave you wanting more. I hope you're ready to jump in because it's time to get your shift together. Hey, it's Jordan Harding co-hosting with the one and only Michelle Ferrari. This podcast is called Get Your Shift Together, and today we're discussing a big shift back to the office for some, continue to remote for others, and a hybrid workplace for many. We're recording on March 4th, and first and foremost, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone in Ukraine and Russia who is a victim of uh, the current situation. Michelle, how are you doing? Good to see you.
1: Well, now you've brought me to tears again, Jordan, because you offered up our thoughts and prayers for the Ukraine. So, um, in contrast to what's going on over the seas, I'm doing really, really well.
0: So, Michelle, you know, you brought up this concept of polarity with me about a week ago, and I've been reading about it a little bit. But what what does it mean to you, polarity?
1: Yeah, it's it's actually something that I've been sitting with a lot, observing a lot, I would say. And for me, it occurs to me that we're living in polarity a lot these days. And by that, I mean opposite ends of the spectrum. And we seem to relate to each other, to issues from the perspective of, I am right. And you are wrong, or I believe this, and you are crazy. And it's that not leaving space for anybody else's opinions, not leaving any space for anybody else's experience, and just really settling yourself into this is what I believe, and this is the only way to think. And and that polarity in my world equals divisiveness.
0: So, yeah, it's polarities about, you know, being able to sit with those two potential solutions or opinions and being able to sit with other people's opinions and thoughts. Is that that really? Well,
1: polarity is really the inability to sit with two positions. Okay. The inability.
0: Inability to sit with two positions. And, And as leaders and as people in business, what we want people to practice is Having that ability to sit yes. with those different sides and to sit with the, I think you called it the in between before,
1: the space in the between, space in between, the space in between, and and so um, it's the real definite definition of leadership that I live by, which means it's that personal leadership even if you're not sitting in a position of organizational leadership. And and inherently, if we're going to move into the leadership of others, I fundamentally believe we need to practice the skills and have tools to self-lead for self-leadership. And so when we talk about polarity and the space in between and learning how to live in the space in between, I think that's the responsibility of everybody, whether you're in an organizational community, um, leadership position or whether you need to live yourself, lead, lead yourself.
0: So how, how can people, cause I think the thing is people see something as a problem and then they, they want to create a solution right away. But if, if what I read was correct in some of my research, it's like being able to understand there might not be a clear solution right away and there may be all these different sides that that have all positives to them
1: positives and negatives but it's the positives and negatives are how you perceive it yourself so i i love what you just said so realizing that there are multiple sides for me and so let's get specifically into back to work right so back to work for some is a super exciting thing. For others is just a lot of anxiety and um, frustration. And for others, they don't quite know how they feel about it. And so what we're trying to do in the midst of all of that individuality is create operating systems and structures that guide sort of the masses. And one of the things that, in my opinion, leads to polarity is when we approach it from, these are my needs, this is my perspective, and I want everybody to honor that. And I think the needs of the individual, of the individual having your own values, knowing what your needs are, asking for those needs to be met, doing everything you can for those needs to be met, I think those are I think that's critical. I think that's foundational to creating the work and the life that you want. And it's not all about you. So, because we live in society, so unless you are in the woods by yourself, not another human being for the, you know, for four hours around you, the reality is we live in a world that requires us to understand the needs of others and the duality of what are my needs and what are the needs of others is where a lot of us struggle. And as we talk about going back to work, most of us and I and I understand the perspective, most of us are going, well, here's why I can't go back to work because I have kids and I the school system has been a real struggle over the last 2 years. It's one of the times that I'm super thankful that I don't have kids because I can't imagine the homeschooling scenario. Or I've noticed how much easier my life is without the commute. Or I'm afraid of taking public transit. Or, 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 or. And so you have all these really powerful reasons why you don't want to go back into work. And you know that your productivity hasn't in any way, shape, or form been impacted. If anything, (laughs) you're doing too much work. And those those are all real. And factual for you and then you have to realize that there's another group of people that are like oh my god I've been so isolated I've been like I've been by myself and I just I need community who I am as an extrovert I my energy my creativity my my very essence comes from being in community with other people I can't wait to get back to work and then you have this other group of people let's just call them leaders for now who are trying to figure out what the hell the right thing to do is. And that there is no right solution right now. At, you know, Back to work full-time, come into the office. And there are many organizations who are doing that. Do what you want. We're not gonna do a mandate. There are organizations that are doing that. And then other organizations are saying, well, come in a couple of days a week and they're trying to implement that none of those solutions are right like because there's no one right way given that all of us thinks differently about this does that make sense i know that was it, a, like a long rant it,
0: it does i think because if, you, if you're looking at this situation you can't look at it as to right, what's the right thing for our organization because it really comes becomes down to each individual person and you're never going to have one solution that kind of fits everyone's needs. But um, you
1: also can't have, let's say you're a, a, a 5,000 person organization or even a 1,000 person organization, you also can't have a thousand different solutions and 5,000 different solutions. Like it's not
0: that's right. yeah.
1: humanly possible to manage that. So you have to come up with a solution that's as flexible as possible and manage those exceptions, which from a leadership perspective is definitely a new stretching skill. Like we are really shifting from, well, this is the way the company does it these are the values of the company, these are the guidelines or rules of the company and and you must follow them. That's, it's been like that for decades. And now we have a whole bunch of people who've been in leadership for quite a long time. This pandemic was a very new experience to them. And you know, if, if employees had holy shit moments, I'm telling you right now, executive teams across the world were going, holy shit. What are we like? Oh my God, what are we supposed to do? And then, you know, <clears throat> okay, let's, you know, we got this, but there's a lot of what are we supposed to do about it? And the shift is going to be what is my skill set in dealing with flexibility? What is my skill set in dealing with duality? And what is my skill set in dealing with The new culture that's emerging, because I do believe we're just emerging, and it's not organizational needs first. So the world has been turned on its ear in terms of cultural norms for how organizations operate. Everybody's trying to figure it out.
0: You're, you're right, you made an interesting point about how this is a, a new skill. Is there a lot of pressure right now to figure out the exact right solution or do you think some people can roll with this and you know have a solution and then reevaluate kind of month over month of what's working?
1: I would say that I'm dealing with some organizations that just wanna say, okay, come on, back to work, let's go. I would say, can that's I, can a I stop you
0: there too? Yeah. Um, because I, I, I read about this thing back or re- return to work versus return to office because saying return to work is really brilliant. like, uh, maybe judging the productivity that happened over the last two years.
1: What a brilliant nuance. Yes. Love that. Love that. I haven't heard that yet. And that is, we should actually be saying return to office because I have to tell you in my line of work, I have been dealing with burnt out, non-boundary people who have said, I'm doing more work than I've ever done. I don't, there is no definite, there's no separation between church and state anymore because I'm just in my office 24/7.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And I'm,
1: you know, so for sure. Okay, I'm gonna try and implement that. Return to office. And so. You know, the reason I was so passionate about wanting to bring this up with you, because I think I'm overcomplicating it and how I'm describing it. What I want us all to do is take a beat and then take another beat and then take another beat and go, okay, here's what I think I need and want. And the organization that I work for doesn't have to give that to me but wouldn't it be nice if they did? So that's our beginning point. Then after you establish what you need and want, I want you to say, what does the organization need? So if you work for an organization that says, we would like you to come back to the office, notice your reaction to it, take a beat, and then ask yourself, why do they want us to come back to the office? So in my line of work, I can tell you that I have never met an executive that wants people to come back to the office for punitive measures. The leaders that I'm talking to want their employees to come back to the office because they fundamentally believe that community is the essence of an organization. And I do think that more leaders have really started to understand that you know how when people are branding or they're trying to come up with their mission statements and they're always like it's our people that make the difference
0: yeah yeah
1: so many statements that i've seen that well guess what turns out it's freaking true and you know when we're all off in our own corners we've lost something We've lost something. We've gained some things, but we've also lost something. So leaders are trying to figure that out. They want community back for sure. They want, they're wondering if they've lost creativity. So without ease of collaboration, have we lost some creativity and innovation and ability to quickly problem solve? They are worried about mental health.
0: hmm
1: I have one organization that took a $500 uh, benefit for, for mental health services and made it $5,000 for all of their employees because mm-hmm. the CEO was like, people are struggling and I need to get them help. I need, to, I need to make it affordable for people to get help. So there's a real recognition about what these last two years have caused us. So as the individual, go, okay, so what is it that my organization is trying to do? What is it that they need? And then make it partly your responsibility to figure out how those varying needs can meet versus this is what I want and my organization has to give me what I want.
0: Yeah. Or yeah. And if they're not going to give me what I want, I'm going to go find an organization that does. I think there's a lot of people that are saying, yeah. mm-hmm. Hey, if I'm being asked to go back in three to four days a week, I'm going to just find an organization that wants me in, you know, two days a week, for example. Yep. It, it's a really good way to think about it. Cause you, you do, it puts, it puts you in the other person's situation. You know, what, what does the organization need and how can I, take my need or want and balance it with what they need or want.
1: And organizational leaders need to do the same.
0: So, you know, so
1: we've identified what the organization needs and now what are some of my people going to need? We've got single mothers. We've got people who are not married with no kids who have been completely, completely isolated. We've got people with sick parents and they're taking care of sick parents We've got people who are juggling things that I have to tell you, I couldn't even imagine juggling. I can barely juggle myself and my dog. So uh, people have different lifestyles. They have different obligations. And we have to really get connected to that. And then again, how do we, to the best of our ability, serve as many needs as possible without overcomplicating it? Because as we said earlier, you can't have a thousand different policies when you have a thousand employees, you just can't, that's just chaos.
0: And then I, I think it's hard too. You're going to see a lot of organizations that are going to put it on their mid-level managers oh,
1: to decide
0: what's good for their department.
1: So what do you think about that?
0: Well, I think there's some some positives to it for sure because each team operates differently, and there are some teams that I think need to be in the office more often. Uh, my other my other gut response to it is is I I do think I hope this is the right word, but I do think there's some laziness to it because you're mm-hmm. you're now putting it on um, on other people, and mm-hmm. you may not be helping them. Come to a conclusion of what may be good. And again, you can't overcomplicate it. Um, and then I think it puts pressure on them too to see what their senior executives are doing because they're going to want to follow suit a little bit there.
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting perspective. Um, if you're going to put it on your middle management, and I think that there's a lot of upside to that. Yes. Um, I can see the downside, particularly having just come through the pandemic right when we make provincial rules and then we expect individual businesses to. Make certain policies or, or implement certain policies, they're the ones who have to deal with. The customer response right like we know that there's been a lot of trauma yes. and yeah. decisions on individual businesses so. I think what it, you know, when I hear what you're speaking about, I think there's a way if you're going to make your middle management responsible for that, for the nuanced approach, then you have to make sure that you're giving your middle management the right tools and support to make those decisions and then to execute those decisions. So it can't be that hands off, you decide it has to be, okay, let's talk about what you want to do in your department or division. Let's talk about that. Talk to me about why. What do you think the risks are to that? What do you think the upside is to that? What will you need if conflict arises or if this causes a problem? So, you you know, it's not abdication. It's it's letting go of the reins and teaching other people or letting other people lead in their particular area, but then giving them every support tool that they could possibly need.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I think it's not a lazy approach. If you are doing that, if you're going to give yeah. them those support yeah. tools, if you're going to coach them and you're going to truly back up what they believe is best for their teams. And I think, I think there is a lot of positive to it because every team does operate differently. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I
1: think, and I think, so this is, you know, again, this is why this topic was near and dear to me. I think over the last few years, we have seen this rise of the individual. And it's really funny because I'm, you know, when I'm coaching people, I always begin with the individual. Establishing your vision for your career. Connecting to your values. Connecting to your choices. So that, like, right, the, the perspective of the individual. That's always the foundation piece. But it's not the end piece. It's not, it's not all about you. And so I've just noticed that we're so hyper-focused on our individual needs and air quotes, rights, that we're forgetting that we live in community, that we live in society, that we operate in community and society. And the complexity of life is balancing the duality of those needs.
0: It's a good, it's a good point. Like, and even I've been asked at my work, like, you know, what would be the ideal return to office for you? And I think the other question that would have been great is what do you think now think about what would be ideal for this organization as well? Because yes, I, I didn't, right? I didn't think about that. And I do think some of the culture and collaboration has been lost. Uh, I also know that we've proven that we can work at home a certain amount of days per week based on who, who my department is. Absolutely. Um, and I, I have, and I think a lot of people, they immediately go to the fears they have with life right now. Like, You know, now I'm going to have to take the TTC and pay for the TTC every day, which is the Toronto uh, metro system. You know, I'm, I'm, maybe I don't make lunch every day, so I'm going to be spending money on food. The prices of everything has gone up. So there's a lot of worry there, right? Whether it's gas, housing, groceries. And so people are starting to think like any way I can save money and not commuting or not spending money on lunch. Uh, they start to think, well, that's better for me, but but you're very much thinking about the short term bias there, I believe. Yeah, too.
1: because hundred percent. So, because let me give you the other perspective now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I like you're you're absolutely right. And now, what is our individual responsibility to the collective economy? So this isn't about right or wrong. I just want people to slip on shoes that aren't theirs for a second and go, okay. So now we have organizations that have rented office space that are completely empty. Yes. One of, one of my clients, worst possible timing decided to move office spaces during the, like prior to the pandemic. So everything, you know, ended one lease, contracted another lease, built all this incredible office space. And now it's sat empty and the prices for office space in major city centers they're it's, it's exorbitant and that used to be what employees wanted right i want you to have an office space for me close to public transit yes because i want it yep. to be easy i don't want you to be out in the middle of nowhere because then how am i going to get there and so decisions were made about what's best for our employees pre-pandemic expensive decisions and then think about all of the as we talk about major city centers think about all the small businesses that served all of the working people from restaurants to drug stores to clothing stores to bookstores right all of those all of those individual business owners have ha- been decimated as we moved to home office then we're wondering about the economy so so okay now we've decimated all these businesses And we're worried about rising interest rates and and rising pressure on costs, well, we're not spending as much money. So there's, as much as we think about our own needs, the economy as a whole, we have direct impact over that economy. And we have to take into consideration what are the right things to keep the economy moving in our collective areas. But most of us don't take that heartbeat and say, okay, here's what I need, as my kids are screaming, or my Dog is barking. That's our dominant need. But then, okay, well, what happens if all these businesses shutter? Now we have a lot more people on unemployment. Then we have people yelling about, well, how much money can we afford to give to people who have lost their light, uh, their livelihood?
0: Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: So we we have an obligation to understand our needs, and then also to understand the needs of the collective, and then. And then Jordan, have patience and empathy as we test out new ways of being. Because what I feel is we are in transition. And so we're not not dictating this is the way it's going to be. We're saying this is the way it's going to be now. Because if there's anything that we've learned over the last couple of years, In an instant, it can all change. And so this patience and empathy is going to be critical for having some peace in our lives. And I will tell you, there's a lot of people that I speak to that just want a little more calm, a little more peace, a little less divisiveness. And how we do that is we begin with self. And we extend to others and that's the responsibility whether you're the ceo of an organization or whether you're the data entry clerk of an organization
0: it's true it's true and i i think that's such you you phrased it so well there michelle it's it's about having it's about knowing we're shifting now and taking a beat and then figuring out you know where we go from there because we don't know what the world is going to look like in two months. We could have another wave of, of COVID. I mean, hopefully it's it's over in terms of the severity of it. Well, that would be great. Um, but we, we don't know. And I don't think people know what the solution is, but you do make a great point. We have to look at the overall economy and how we fit into it, especially here in downtown Toronto. You know, you look at things like businesses that were in the path, the underground area, you know under some of the busiest parts of Toronto like the businesses have been decimated there that the people that do lunch services or dinners or drinks like dry cleaning you know there's so many businesses that fit into yeah Mm -hmm.
1: I have to say I I went so so the path is um it's basically an underground pathways filled with little stores for people who aren't in downtown Toronto and I know that there are many um that wasn't meant to be a Toronto centric comment um I went downtown for the first time yesterday and so last week when I was making these appointments to see customers to see clients in person it was very exciting I was like really oh my god yeah let's do that yeah fun okay great and then I woke up yesterday and literally for about half an hour my thought was okay how can I get out of this how can,
0: yeah, I, 100%. how can I,
1: how can I, how can I make an excuse without seeming unprofessional to get out of this? And I, and I, my anxiety was visibly rising and I don't use the word anxiousness very much, but I was like, oh, this is, this is weird. Yes.
0: And then I couldn't
1: yeah. get myself to move. Like I, so I was like, I had plotted everything out about how much time I needed, right. To get dressed and put on makeup. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And instead of following the schedule that I'd mapped out in my head, I just sat there and I was like, I'm just going to have another cup of coffee until it finally got to, you know, go or don't go. And I decided to go. And so I'd spent probably about an hour and a half of, Oh my, I don't know. Oh no. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain why that was happening. I like, I didn't have it. Like, I'm not afraid of COVID. That's not like, that's not been my experience. I think I'd just been in a routine for two years and then I had decided to change it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is stressing my nervous system, whether I understand it or not. And then when I got downtown and, you know, somebody said, can I hug you? And it was the best experience that I've had in a really long time. I was really nervous. Now, when I said that to a couple of my clients, they were like, why? Because that hasn't been their experience. They were like, oh, I'm just going downtown again. We're all going to engage in this differently. And I don't want us to judge ourselves. And I sure as hell encourage everybody not to judge others. Because we're really, like, I can't even explain to you why that was my experience yesterday. And I'm glad I pushed myself. But for other people, you know, they could have had a panic attack. And we just need to be gracious with each other and have empathy and give people space until the waters find their new level until we move from a period of transition to a period of, okay, we've now established a new normal and that's going to take some time.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And I was smiling on my end because I've, I've done the same thing. You know, I, I love meeting people in person, but I've even woken up at times and you, you feel that I felt that anxiety and other people don't. And I think it's about that, that kindness of just, just understanding, being more understanding of every, everybody, no matter what they say or what they do. Um,
1: Kindness, I would say. And, and as you were saying that the word that came up for me is curious, curious, so, you know, be curious about what other people are experiencing and feeling. Be curious about how, so ask them questions. It might provide insight for you. It might make them feel like they're being heard and listened to. Like curiosity is, is a really powerful tool in many situations in our lives. And I think in this particular situation, kindness and curiosity coupled, will make this transition period a lot gentler for all of us.
0: Yeah, and that might be a challenging one for many with curiosity just because the last two years has really been about all about what what you're feeling what you're going through how you're trying to just get through the day and now we have to be curious about other people
1: we have to be curious about other people and i there's a there's a coaching guideline where you ask if if people are in uh, situations where there's divisiveness or disconnect to ask them to find where the other person or the other opinion is 10% right.
0: Oh, I like that. Right? Okay. So guess,
1: you can be 90% right. <laughs> What's the 10% that you can relate to? What's the 10% where you can say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. And you know what? That's a great practice tool. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm going to find out why my employees are 10% right in that they don't want to come back to the office. Today, I'm going to find out why my organization is 10% right in why they do want me to come back to the office and just see what comes up.
0: That's perfect. All right. Well, let's leave it on that. I I like that practice for people and hopefully people will go away and and try that. I'll try it myself today. Me too. For sure. It's good for
1: a reminder for me.
0: Thanks for tuning in and be sure to follow Get Your Shift Together on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and visit michelleferrari.org to learn more. This has been Jordan Harding with Michelle Ferrari reminding you to get your shift together. Join us next time.